So Acts 27, we are almost to the end of the book of Acts. Only 28 weeks. That's nothing, huh? Um, But we're almost there. And tonight, Paul is headed to Rome, finally. And, And here's where I would like to direct our thoughts tonight. Um, most of us as Christians, when we talk about salvation and we talk about being saved, most of the time we're talking or referring to that moment in time where we trusted in Christ as our Savior and we became a Christian. Nothing wrong with that. That's true, that's biblical. But there's also this much larger aspect of salvation, if you will. And that is that we need to be reminded that not only did God, in, in, in a sense, save us at that moment we trusted in Christ and delivered us from the penalty of sin and all of that, but that there is this ongoing salvation which takes place in our lives as well. And that's what I want us to think about and ponder and consider tonight. That we're not just saved by God once, in a sense, in our life. And I don't mean we get saved multiple times. That's, that's not biblical. We are saved once. But what I'm trying to say is the effects of that salvation are ongoing throughout our whole life. In other words... God continues to save us throughout our life. He continues to deliver us. He continues to rescue us, if you will. He continues to take us all the way through everything so that we are thoroughly saved, thoroughly delivered, thoroughly rescued from everything. There's nothing that God doesn't save us from or save us through, you see. That's why the writer of Hebrews tells us in Hebrews chapter uh, 6, I believe, verse 17, that, that Jesus saves us to the uttermost. It means he saves us all the way through everything in our life. He, doesn't just, he didn't just save us when we trusted in Christ. He saves us through our entire life. We sometimes are delivered and rescued from things by God that we don't even realize, you see. That's why Paul could tell the Philippians that I'm confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will continue to perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. And and that's the concept that we see playing out here in Acts 27. Paul's on this ship headed for Rome and they get into a lot of trouble. And God not only saves Paul, God saves everyone on board. God is continuing to deliver, continuing to rescue, continuing to see Paul through all the way through his earthly journey. And I hope that will encourage you. When God saves, delivers, rescues, he doesn't save, deliver, rescue up to a point and then go, okay, that's it, now I'm done. No, he sees us literally all the way through. And I want us to be comforted by that, reassured by that, and encouraged by that tonight as we read this fascinating story that has so many practical applications for our own life. Because even though this is a a literal ship heading to Rome with people on it, 
This also has a lot of spiritual application for us. Because I want you to sort of think about the fact that even though you might not physically be on a boat right now, sailing somewhere, it can be very descriptive of our life. And that whether we want to always think about it or not, you know, we're, we're on our way somewhere. We're on our destination. And we're on this ship called life, and we're going to experience this, and we're going to experience that. But what I want us to see is through, like with Paul, through every port that they stopped in, through every bit of trouble on the sea and off the sea and all of that, God was with Paul. And, and Paul was never out of the hands and power of God. And that's important, especially as we begin reading in chapter 27, when it says, when it was decided we would sail to Italy, they handed over Paul and some other prisoners to a centurion of the Augustan cohort named Julius. The phrase they handed over means literally to deliver into the hands of another. And there's this picture of now Paul is, in a sense, the responsibility of this centurion named Augustine. Well, yes and no. I mean, technically, from just an earthly, physical standpoint, yeah, this this guy has now responsibility to get Paul to Rome. But take a step back for a moment, especially with your own life, and see that, yeah, you... There may be people in your life that technically have the responsibility of looking after you, watching out for you, caring for you in some way. But ultimately, we don't or should not put our trust in them because there's someone much greater and bigger who's watching out for us all the time. And we're not in their hands. We're ultimately, if we are children of God, in God's hands. And we never leave his hands. In fact, Jesus even said, no one can pluck you from my father's hand. So tonight, I want you to be reassured that just like Paul, even though you may be placed into the hands of another and and someone out there in the world or whatever uh, has responsibility to watch over you and, and care for you and look out for you, ultimately, God is the one who's looking out for us. And we are always in His hands. And I hope again that that will encourage you. So verse 2 says, They went on board the ship. They were about to sail to various ports along the coast of the province of Asia and to put out to sea. By the way, the phrase put out to sea means to launch. To raise our sails and set sail for some place, a new destination, if you will. And I couldn't get past that without being reminded that there are times in our life where God wants us to raise our sails and sail somewhere a little bit new, a new destination, try something new. Be stretched, if you will. Let God take you somewhere and launch you somewhere where maybe you haven't been for a while or maybe just new territory. And it might be something, some new spiritual territory. It may be something just physical or whatever. But, 
But there are times where God is always wanting to stretch us and allow us to explore other things and show us what what we can do through Him and what He can do through us. And sometimes what that requires is us being willing to be launched and raise our sails and set sail for something else. This past year, I've shared with you that in my own personal life, I have seen God do that through this writing. I'll pick on her tonight. Nicole also is trying out, you know, some new stuff because she's honing her skills on the old keyboard. And, and, and I share two examples here of, of two who stand before you week in and week out because I want you to know that, you know, we all at times need to be willing to go, you know what, I need to, I need to do this. Uh, I need to step out maybe of my comfort zone a little bit. I need to raise my sail and let God launch me into some new venture, new direction. So think about how that might apply to you. Maybe right now God just wants you to just say, no, you're good right now where you are. But there will come a time, because it's healthy for us as Christians, to every once in a while allow God to launch us somewhere new into something new. Uh, and to raise our sails. What does that look like for you? For a lot of Christians, it's an area of service or ministry. Uh, for others, it may be something like, you know, even like uh, studying a particular section of the Bible that you haven't before, or exploring something, you know, in that, in that line of spiritual growth. So whatever that looks like, we'll certainly let the Holy Spirit Zero in on that with you alone. So it says that they put out to sea, accompanied by Aristarchus, a Macedonian from Thessalonica. The next day we put out at Sidon, and Julius, treating Paul kindly, allowed him to go to his friends so that they could provide him with what he needed. By the way, those of you that that like to be on the water and that sail and maybe have your own boat or you like to take cruise or whatever... Chapter 27 will mean so much more to you as far as the whole sailing and out on the ocean more than it did me, because I'm just not one of those guys. But, you know, I don't get all the sailing stuff, but I do try to ask God to give me the the spiritual principles and application through it all. And I do want to stop here again in verse 3, because this is again important. The word friends here means dearly and prized, or dearly loved, prized companions. Paul had friends along this journey with him. And they were dearly loved, prized companions that were part of this journey. He didn't go on this journey alone. God never wants us to go on our spiritual journey with him alone. We need to go with others. And then I love this. The phrase could provide him with what he needed literally means to bring refreshment. Paul needed refresh just like we all do. And we all need to be around people who refresh us. And we also need to flip that around and remind ourselves that we need to be in a place where we can be refreshing others. Because that's really what we need. We might think we need other things, but what we really need is to be refreshed. 
And I love that. That's why I love that the concept of even the oasis. Because an oasis out in the desert was a place where people could be refreshed, where they could find shade from the heat, where they could find sustenance, where they could find shelter. And I think God not only wants to build communities of believers to be an oasis, like our church, but he actually even wants each of us as individual believers to be sort of a a personal oasis for others as well. That when people come around us, they can be refreshed just by being with us and being in our presence. Paul says, from there, or Luke says, from there we put out to sea and sailed under the lee of Cyprus because the winds were against us. They were opposed to us. They were adverse to us. And one of the things that this reminds us of is that sometimes even when we are on a journey that God wants us to be on, it doesn't mean that we won't face some contrary winds. That we won't face opposition. In fact, just the opposite. Sometimes when we're going the direction God wants us to, we will actually face great winds and great opposition coming against us. Remember what Paul said to the Thessalonians? He says, a great and effectual door has been opened to me by God, but there are many adversaries, Paul said. You see. And even the story of Jesus with his own disciples. He was the one that told them, get into the boat and go to the other side. And as they were doing exactly what Jesus said, this storm comes up and and they're facing adverse winds. I want you to be encouraged tonight by this. Don't think that just because you're facing some adversity or challenge or opposition or winds blowing against you that maybe you're doing something wrong or you're not going in the direction or doing what God wants you to do. Because again, many times God wants us to go in a certain way, but that doesn't mean the winds of adversity won't be blowing against us. That's part of the reason, can I say this, why we need to become disciples of Jesus Christ and allow God to build that inner spiritual strength in us, that supernatural staying power and stamina and tenacity so that we will continue to go in the direction God wants us to go in spite of the adverse winds. After we had sailed across the open sea of Cilicia and Pamphylia, we put in at Myra and Lycia. Verse 6, there the centurion found a ship from Alexandria sailing for Italy and put us aboard it. We sailed slowly for many days and arrived with difficulty off Nidius. Because the wind prevented us from going any further, we sailed under the lee of Crete off Selmon. Again, with difficulty, we sailed along the coast of Crete and came to a place called Fair Havens that was near the town of Lesia. The two times Paul, or excuse me, I keep saying Paul, Luke uses with difficulty, again, means not easily, extremely hard. And again, we are reminded as disciples of Jesus Christ that there are times where going the way God wants us to go is not easy. But there is no growth, no strengthening, no stretching of us if things are always easy easy. Sometimes God will put us in a season where, you know, 
it's, it's, a, it's difficult. It's not easy. But he wants us to learn how, again, we can, with him, get through it and actually be strengthened through it. Those who are looking for an easy life will never be disciples of Jesus Christ. I mean, Jesus even said, early on, to those that started to follow him. Broad is the way. And there's a lot, wide is the way that most of the world goes. Why? Because it's easy. But what did he say about the narrow way? It's what? It's hard. It's difficult. And few are willing to go down that path. That's why many Christians never are willing to become disciples, because to be a disciple of Jesus Christ, it's hard. It means training. It means working out and becoming spiritually fit, as we talked about on Sunday, and that's hard. Just like, again, take the physical realm. Why do many people, you know, just, oh, it's too hard to get up and exercise every day and do all the things, you know. So we don't. But I want us, again, to be encouraged by this. Because you may be in a season right now where you're facing adverse winds and, and things are hard and things are difficult. Hang in there. Let God... Deliver, rescue, carry you all the way through. The value and worth of what God is allowing you to go through in your life is immeasurable and will pay eternal dividends. Don't always take the easy way and be tempted to hit that easy button that our culture is so enamored with today. Give me the easy way. Verse 9, since considerable time now had passed, though, the voyage was now dangerous. And this is where a change comes. Up to this point, the adverse winds and all of that, to me, were part of God's doing and God's plan to show us some things. But now it's gotten to a point where, no, now it's too dangerous. And we need to be able to differentiate that. Here's how I like to say it. For instance, using Paul as an example. Paul wasn't afraid to stand in the lion's den, if you will. But he also didn't stick his head in the lion's mouth, you see. And there's the difference. I don't need to be afraid or live in fear of that, but I also don't need to just like, you know go out there and force the issue either. And so things were getting dangerous because of the time that had passed. And because of this, Paul advised them, exhorted them in verse 9, and then in verse 10 says, Men, I can see, I can discern, I can perceive the voyage is going to end in disaster and great loss, not only of the cargo and the ship, but also of our lives. I think God gave Paul 
supernatural insight, wisdom, discernment here to be able to see if we continue down this road, things aren't going to go well. We need to change our course. But notice what happens in verse 11. The centurion who was in charge and responsible was more convinced, more persuaded, had more confidence in the captain and the ship's owner than by what Paul said. Let me make an important point here. We have to be careful that like the centurion, we are not just being influenced or listening to people just because they hold a certain position. Paul had no position. He was a slave, if you will, or at least not a slave, but a prisoner on his way to Rome. And yet he knew more about what was going on and what would happen than the owner of the ship and the captain of the ship. But the centurion listened to them because, well, they're the owner. They're the captain, you see. Reminds me of the story in the book of Ecclesiastes where Solomon is sort of bemoaning, if you will, how the fact that he uses this story, he says, there was a city, it's in Ecclesiastes chapter 9, there was a city that was being besieged and just hammered by the enemy, and there was this elderly man that lived in the city that was poor. And this elderly man had wisdom that could have prevented the city from being taken. But because he was just a poor elderly man, no one listened to the wisdom that he had. And therefore, Solomon says, the city fell. And so he sort of ends that passage by saying, boy, that, that just really bothers me because it's not enough even to have wisdom. It's what good does the wisdom of certain people do if they won't listen to people of wisdom? If they dismiss certain people simply because they don't have a certain position or carry with them a certain title. And I think that's important for us to remember as well. And you may even be on the flip side of that. In other words, what I'm saying is, there may be wisdom that you have that would be very beneficial and profitable to people in your life, but they won't listen to you because you don't hold a certain position. You don't have a de certain degree. You, you, you don't have you know, this or that, and so they sort of dismiss it. Well, who are you? And yet, if you and I have been saturating our minds with the Word of God, and we're walking with God, and we're in fellowship with God, then the Bible says, we've got a lot of wisdom. So we sort of understand that, that it's frustrating for us when, okay, all of a sudden this is creaking, and we'll try to fix that. It's frustrating for us when people won't listen to us, even though we see something very clearly, and it's like they don't, but they won't listen to it. But we need to flip that around based upon this as well. That we need to be willing to listen to others sometime if we truly believe that even though they don't necessarily have a position or a certain you know, amount of letters beside their name, if, if they're walking with God and they're in fellowship with God, then like these people on the boat, we need to listen to them. 
Notice it says, because, verse 12, the harbor was not suitable to spend the winter, the majority decided to put out to sea from there. Next principle. The majority is not always right. The majority on the boat said, yeah, let's listen to the captain, let's listen to the owner of the ship. Let's not listen to Paul. He's in the minority. Sometimes the minority is right if the minority has the wisdom of God. So it says they hoped that somehow they could reach Phoenix, a harbor of Crete facing southwest and northwest, and spend the winter there. Verse 13. When a gentle south wind sprang up, they thought they could carry out their purpose. So they weighed anchor, sailed close along the coast of Crete. But not long after this, a hurricane force wind called the Northeaster, literally a violent storm stirring up mighty waves, blew down from the island. And when the ship was caught in it, after it could not head into the wind, we gave way to it. And we're driven along. This is a great verse that teaches a lot of spiritual principle here. If we don't listen to the wisdom of God, then we end up going down a road, a path that we shouldn't have went down. And when we do that, guess what? We get caught in something. And eventually it's so strong that we literally have to give in to it, verse 15. The words gave way in verse 15 literally means surrender. It's like people today, oh, I'll be able to handle it, I'll be able to manage this. And they get involved with something that all of a sudden and very quickly becomes bigger and stronger than what they can deal with. And all of a sudden, instead of them managing it, It's managing them. And they become now a prisoner to something that they should have never went down that path to begin with. And they are driven along, verse 15. And the words literally mean to carry some burden. And that's exactly what disobedience to God and going down a path God doesn't want us to do will end up doing. It will create an unnecessary burden in our life because now this thing that we thought we could handle now becomes master of us and we end up surrendering to it because it's greater and more powerful than we are. Folks, when you think about just that principle, that describes a lot of people in our world today. They began a certain behavior, a certain habit, a certain pattern. All of a sudden, the thing that they thought they were managing now has control of their life. One word we could use to describe it is addiction. And how many people are addicted to something today? It's become greater than them. They've had to surrender to it. And now this thing that maybe for a while was enjoyable has now become a great burden. Verse 16. As we ran under the lee of a small island called Kata, we were able with difficulty to get the ship's boat, the loading boat or landing boat, under control. After the crew had hoisted it about, they used supports to undergird the ship. 
Fearing they would run aground on the Sirtis, they lowered the sea anchor, thus letting themselves be driven along. The next day, because we were violently battered, tossed around by the storm, the winds and the waves, they began throwing the cargo overboard. Can I say that's probably not all they were throwing overboard? Get what I mean there? On the third day, they threw the ship's gear overboard with their own hands. And when neither sun nor stars appeared for many days, and a violent storm continued to batter us, a prolonged storm, literally lie down upon them. And that's the way it is sometimes. Sometimes we find ourselves in a storm, and the storm isn't, isn't over very quickly. It's a prolonged storm. Notice what happens in these prolonged storms. We finally abandon all hope of being saved or rescued. That's what happens. Isn't that what happens to people? When they go down a road they should have not went down, and that road and that situation becomes stronger and bigger than they could have ever imagined, and all of a sudden it starts ruling their life, And therefore, they have to surrender to it, and it becomes burdensome to them. And then they get to a place where, guess what? All hope. This is just the way it is. I'll never be able to overcome this. I'll never be able to beat this. I'll never be able to to, uh, see victory in my life. This is just the way it's going to be. And they give up all hope. And that hopelessness then drives them obviously to continual discouragement and despair. And they just feel locked in to that, whatever it is. That's why we need to get the message of Jesus out. And why we need to teach and preach on the power of Christ. And not just that Christ saves us initially from the penalty of sin, but can continuously deliver and rescue us from the very power of sin. And we never as Christians have to be in a hopeless state. That's where the devil wants us to be. You will know that you are in a bad place and that you're listening more to the lies of the devil than the truth of God, if you are in a place or you're talking to someone else that you know and love who is in a place where they think, I'm in a corner and I can't get out and I'm trapped. Because a child of God should never feel trapped, should never feel hopeless. With God, with us, We're never trapped. Think about the children of Israel who thought they were trapped because here comes Pharaoh's army after them and the only thing behind them is the Red Sea. How are we going to get out? Well, guess what? God can part Red Seas. Because with God, all things are possible and there's nothing too hard for God. And God never wants any of us to get to a place like these other men on this ship where they abandon all hope of being saved. With God, there's always hope of being delivered. With God, there's always hope of being rescued. With God, there's always hope of being saved and brought out of that miry pit and set on a solid piece of ground. 
even when I was really struggling with anxiety in my life, there was always playing in the background of my own mind and heart the reality and the truth that God can get me out of this. And I think it was, again, knowing that that was always there that eventually allowed me to truly grab a hold of God and allow Him to pull me out of that pit. And I want you to be encouraged tonight and for you to use this to encourage others because we don't want people to end up like these men on that ship who abandon all hope of ever being saved. We must proclaim Christ Because it is through Christ that we can all be rescued, delivered, and saved from whatever it is. Because everything in the universe is under Christ's authority. Since many of them had no desire to eat, Paul stood up among them and said, Men, you should have listened to me. Now listen, Paul isn't saying, I told you so. That might seem what Paul's saying here. But what Paul is teaching through this is, you should have followed the highest authority. And he's not talking here about himself. What he was trying to show them is that there is authority that I know that's higher than all of us. And that authority is my God. And we need to start listening to the highest authority, you see. He said, because we could have avoided this damage and this loss, verse 21. Oh, that's so key. That's why God warns us and tells us what he does. It's not to be a killjoy and prevent us from truly enjoying life. No, God came to give us abundant life. If he tells us not to do something or not to go down a certain road, it's only because he does not want us to experience damage and loss in our lives. So Paul says, now I advise you to keep up your courage Keep up your spirits. Keep up your morale. For there will be no loss of life among you, but only the ship will be lost. For last night, an angel of the God to whom I belong and whom I serve came to me and said, Do not be afraid, Paul. Do not be terrified by these circumstances. You must stand before Caesar. And God has graciously granted you the safety of all who are sailing with you. I want to go back to verse 23. I want you to see this tonight, because just like last week, we zeroed in on the fact that that Paul said, God has been my continual help through each and every situation. I want you to take this with you tonight, verse 23, when when Paul says that an angel of, of God came to me to whom I belong. The words belong here mean to be in God's hands or power. And guess what? Paul isn't the only one who belongs to God. You belong to God. And I want you to be reminded of that. In fact, Paul said to the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, I think verse 23, he says to them, you belong to Christ and Christ belongs to God. There's layers there. But what Paul is saying is to all of us, We belong to God. Therefore, we are always in His hands and in His power. Once we become a child of God, He takes responsibility to watch over and care for each of us. 
This is a principle that runs throughout Scripture. That's why Paul even said to the Corinthians later on in 1 Corinthians, we are not our own. We belong to God because God purchased us with His own blood. And we are now the temple and dwelling place of the Holy Spirit. I want you to go from here tonight knowing you belong to God. And you belong to God not only today, but for the rest of your earthly life. And until you and I see Jesus, we belong to God and will belong to God throughout all eternity. May that encourage you tonight. That's why we don't need to be afraid. We don't need to be live in fear of what's going on around us and no matter the, the ship. And even Paul, even though Paul had told them, guys, we shouldn't do this, Paul got caught up innocently in, in the disobedience of others. I want us to remember that even though Paul was caught on this ship and it in a sense, in this storm and all that was going on, and it wasn't his fault, he was, still, he was still on the ship and still, in a sense, suffering because of it. And sometimes that's going to be the case with us. We may even suffer because of someone else's bad decision. But God is still with us, and we're never out of his hands or his power, and he again will save us and rescue us and deliver us all the way through just as he did for Paul. So therefore, notice what he says in verse 25. Therefore, keep up your courage. Keep up your spirits and your morale. For I have faith in God that it will be just as I have been told. Paul was trusting and placing his confidence in God. Because remember, it's not the amount of our faith that is as important as the object of our faith. That's why Jesus said, you can even have faith the size of a little mustard seed, but if it's placed in the right object, it can do great things. We don't need a lot of faith. We just need our faith in the right place. And the only place our faith should ever be is in God. And in his word, which is what Paul says, I know that things will be just as I have been told. I trust in God, in his character, and I trust in what God has told me through his angel and what he's promised me. I and everyone else will get to Rome. God will see us through. Well, because we don't have time to literally read all these other verses, then I want you to go down to the very last verse and we'll see how this ends so that we can get to chapter 28 next week. Because basically what happens is the ship does run aground and it breaks up just as God said it would. And they even were thinking about killing some of the prisoners because they were afraid that they would get away. But the centurion said, no, I especially want Paul to be preserved. And so everyone was preserved. And the Bible says in Acts twenty-seven forty-four, and the rest were fo- to follow, some even on planks, some on pieces of the ship, but notice the very last phrase of verse 44. And in this way, all were brought safely to land. The words brought safely literally mean thoroughly rescued. To save all the way through. That's what God did here in Acts 27. 
He was demonstrating that he's not just a God who saves once and that's it. He's a God who saves us, delivers us, and rescues us all the way through. I am confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will continue to perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ will save you and I to the uttermost. Jesus loved his own. And the Bible says in the Gospel of John chapter 17, he loved them to the very end. I hope you know that, trust that, and believe that tonight. I don't know what you're going through. I don't know whether you're on a ship right now and it's going through a storm or whatever, but I know this, God will see you through. You belong to him. Trust him. Place your confidence in him. And watch him carry you through this season of your life. May we not only be encouraged tonight by this chapter, but may we use the word of God to encourage others who may be in a place as these sailors were at one time on the ship where they had abandoned all hope of being rescued. Let us take the message of Jesus Christ and the hope that Jesus Christ brings to a world that desperately needs hope because many of them are finding themselves in hopeless situations. They've gotten caught in some force that's much bigger and greater and more powerful than themselves and they have surrendered to it. And it's become a great burden. Jesus Christ is the lifter of burdens. And he can lift their burden as well. Let's share Jesus with them. Father God, we thank you tonight for the story of a ship on its way to Italy. And yet, God, in this chapter, there's so much spiritually that we can take from the voyage that Paul was making. And God, I pray tonight that each of these folks who are here and those who may at one point listen to this message on podcast, would be encouraged, Lord, ultimately by the hope and the security and the stability that we can have only in you. Thank you, God, for reminding us tonight we belong to you, God. We are yours. And because of that, we are always in your hands and in your power. Help us, Lord, just to have trust and confidence in you as we sail along life's journey. These things we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Guys, thanks for being here tonight. We'll see you next week.